Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you. Happy New Year. I have truly missed your smiling faces. Last year was transformative for me. And so when Andy called, well, I guess it was Andy. <laughs> I couldn't make out the voice. <laughs> he might not have even asked me to preach. I don't know. I just came up here. <laughs> um, so let's pray before we get started. Lord God, you are awesome. I thank you for the opportunity to join, worship, praise, and glorify you with such a dynamic and beautiful group of people. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Let us know your will, your way, and your expectation. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Our text for today <clears throat> is going to be from Philippians. Now, I know that you all have been asking some tough questions. I said, well, Andy, what, what are you guys talking about? Do I need to pull up your sermon? He said, we've been asking questions. <laughs> we've been going back and forth with questions and answers, and we've been asking the hard questions about faith and about God. But as we ask the hard questions about faith, and about God, I was thinking, man, we, we should probably be asking hard questions about ourselves. What do we need to be thinking about in the new year? Are we where we want to be? Are we on purpose? Have we gotten to the new hobbies that we said we wanted to do? Have we made time for people? Has 2019 been better? I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks, but still, it's always time and good to evaluate. Now, some of the people that I know came into 2019 walking and standing tall. Some came crawling, some limped, some struggled but we all made it. We all made it to 2019. Now, some people ran <laughs> to 2019 and ran away from 2018. Were there any runners? Anybody run out of 2018 and run into 2019? 2018 was some, had a lot of highs, but also a lot of lows. And at this time of the year is when we always start thinking about resolutions. Who has resolutions? Anybody thought about New Year? Thank you. Nobody, just four people? Okay, perfect. You are, I'm in the right place. <laughs> resolutions are usually how we begin our new year. I had a sorority meeting yesterday. There's normally about 100 people there. There were about 300 women at this sorority meeting. I was like, resolutions. <laughs> Somebody said, I'm going to go to all of my meetings this year. My classmates, same thing. We came back. I was in South Africa for two weeks. People hit the ground running. 
First day of class, everybody's there, and they've got all their books, and they're raising their hands. I was like, resolution in first years. <laughs> Not you guys. Y'all are second. Y'all know the ropes now. There's some good news, and there's some bad news about resolutions. But before we talk about that, let's go to our text in Philippians. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it known, my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Paul is pressing. The good news and bad news about our resolutions, he's going to show us. First of all, let me tell you why resolutions are bad, which is perfect because only about four people said they had them. So again, I'm in the right place. It's too many. Usually we make too many resolutions. We have a list of all the things that we're never going to do again, that we did all 365 days of 2018, but we're not going to do in the new year. The next thing is that they're too vague. We're never really quantifying how we're going to change. It's I'm, I'm going to lose weight, so I'm going to change my hair. I'm going to be in class on time. But enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> or they're too shallow. As in the case of the examples I just gave, they're pretty self-centered. They're usually about what we're going to do to try to improve ourselves. So that's the bad news. Resolutions don't work. 80% of the population makes them, and 100% is usually done by February 2nd. The good news is that we want to be better. That is what's so awesome about the new year. It's like, here is our chance, here is our opportunity to start again. And we want to be better. And also, we're willing to change. Usually, we don't want to change. Change is almost a curse word. But in the new year, we want to change. And lastly, as Methodists, <laughs> we're striving for perfection. So the beautiful thing about going into a new year, in addition to wanting to be better and being willing to change, is that we're willing to strive for perfection. But what is perfection? So perfection doesn't mean just being perfect. And I know you guys probably know all of this, but I'm going to give a high-level example. At our annual conference, North Georgia Conference, Bishop Sue actually made this the mantra for the year, that we are striving for perfection. So we believe in prevenient grace, which is God letting us know that we are out of place with them, that we need to be in right relationship and right fellowship, and we are covered and it's the light bulb that goes off that says, hey, you need to get back in good graces with me. We need to be one again. Then justifying grace is the doorway. It's the place where we have a chance to reconnect with God and be saved. And God justifies us through God's grace and love. Justifying grace does something 
for us. And lastly, there's sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace does something in us and gets us closer to be in the image of Christ. Sanctifying grace is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit that changes us so that our lives are increasingly conformed to the mind of Christ. John Wesley called this lifelong process of sanctification becoming perfected by love. So when our goal to be perfect, our goal to be changed, our goal to start our new year off right, we want to be perfected in love and be habitually filled with the love of God and love of neighbor. So in the text, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and he's writing from prison. And it's interesting that you had Dr. King up because a lot of Dr. King's letters, just like Paul, were coming from prison, where he had a chance to center and meditate. The, the people of Philippi were one of the first communities that Paul started. It was a Roman colony full of retired soldiers, very patriotic. So when Paul began to talk about Christ, that was problematic for the people. They began to face persecution. But Paul was saying through persecution, you must have joy and show your own story as a lived expression of Jesus' story. Paul says, now that I've already obtained this, or have already reached perfection or the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The Greek for goal the root word is telos. It means end or goal. So the end goal is perfection, which is love, the way Christ loved. So similar to the way we ran into 2019, or walked, or crawled, or strolled, Paul is pressing on to perfection like a runner in the foot race. Now, how many of you were athletes? Growing up, maybe you ran track or played football, played basketball. Okay, tennis, all of that soccer. I'm going to say a sport till everyone's hand is raised. I know that everybody was running. <laughs> the mindset is to think of what we're doing as a race. Now, back in the day, just like we have Olympics, racing was huge. Racing was everything. And the main thing that people considered when they had these amazing, strong athletes get in position and get ready to run was to know, well, will they succeed? And there was always an answer, but it depended on the state of mind of the runner. How focused was the runner to run this race? Now, I'm going to tell you, if you were an excellent athlete, like Andy was, <laughs> if you were an excellent athlete and you were good, or like a Hussein Bolt, you might already think, I'm a winner. I got this. But if you do that, even with a spiritual race, if you feel like you always have it together, if you feel like you've already reached where you need to go, if you feel like you're loving the way God has called you to love God and your neighbor, then you run the risk in your race of being like the tortoise and the hare. Do you all remember the story of the tortoise and the hare? When you run a race like that, you know the hare is bopping around, he's got it under control, he's gonna run. 
I remember Bugs Bunny, I feel like doing this in a little cartoon back in the day. And the tortoise just steady plots, steady plots. But then you look up and you've taken your nap and you've relaxed and been distracted and the tortoise has won the race, the one that has been diligent and consistent and steady plotted. It's the same thing. Paul says, now that I have already obtained this, so Paul doesn't have that mindset. Now that I've already obtained this, or I've already reached my goal or perfection because the 2018 stuff still lingers. Fear, doubt, anxiety, depression, stress, worry, all of the things that could have consumed us in 2018, 2017, 2019, 72, whatever that was, it's not over just because we turn the clock and go into the new year. Paul says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Paul is pursuant with the purpose of overtaking and laying hold of his purpose laying hold of this new year, this desire to change, this desire to be better, this desire to be perfected, encouraged and enabled by the fact that it was Christ who has laid a firm hand on him. So as to possess him completely, Paul is now pressing on in hot pursuit of the objective assigned to him. The objective assigned to him is how we typically envision going into our new year. We think, what is God calling me to do? How can I be better? How can I change? And Paul says he is in hot pursuit. I have not attained it, but I press. So the first thing you need is the right frame of mind for newness. And then you need some exertion for the press. Paul says, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. The interesting thing here is Paul mentions two things. He said, there's one thing that I do. Forgetting those things that are behind me and reaching for the things that are ahead of me. So there are two things that we must do as we go into this new season and this new year. We must forget and we must press. We must forget and we must press. Forgetting, and I came up with a fancy word, mental and emotional eradication because I'm a third year in seminary and I've got to put some big words out here and some Greek translations. <laughs> Mental and emotional eradication. In other words, a mind dump. We have to do a mind dump. So I will say this. My background before being a career changer and following my call was as a counselor. And I think that a lot of times we as believers don't always secure additional help. 
the way I was taught growing up, you kind of kept stuff in the house. You didn't tell your business. You didn't put it in the streets. And a lot of times you suffered in silence because you never shared, you never got help. Also, it used to be that if you went to the church, you were just told to pray. And so a lot of times I would encounter people that prayed and needed some practical tools to help them forget. By forget, I don't mean throw it all away because we don't want to act like some things in the past aren't hard. We don't want to ever act like they didn't happen or they didn't exist. That's not what I'm saying. And so the beautiful thing, particularly I know even working here at Stockbridge, is that it's an amazing, supportive team of ministers. And by ministers, I mean everyone up here. And they encourage you to get help. When I worked here last summer, Andy was very excited about the congregational care system that we were trying to put in place. Because the sentiment in his house is that we do love each other and we do care for each other, which is drastically different than the way I was raised. You went to church and you prayed, and it'll be all right. And it will be, but sometimes you need some practical tools and practical help to help you get through it. And so I encourage you today that if you need help in any way, shape, or form, start with prayer. Come to the church and get resources. Stephen's ministers, get the extra help that you need because forgetting is a process. It is instantaneous and progressive. It is something that has to be done, but in sometimes, and in some cases, there has to be a healing that has to take place. The second thing that runners do that Paul understood, and I need my runners to co-sign this, runners don't focus on the part of the course that they've already run. If you're a runner, and you have a 100-yard dash, and you get 50 yards in, you're not concerned about the 50 you already ran. Runners are not concerned with the portion of the course that they've already covered. Runners, essentially, don't look back. If you have ever been, you don't have to be a track star for this, but you've played growing up. If you run, what happens when you look back to see if people are coming to get you? You slow down. You slow down and you get distracted. So part of the forgetting is getting the help that you need, not focusing on the part that you've already covered, and not looking back so that you don't lose speed. Even the Bible speaks of looking back. The Lord says, Put your, whoever puts his hands to the plow and looks back, is not fit for the kingdom. We all remember what happened with Salt's wife. When she looked back, she turned into a pillar of salt. So a part of the forgetting is to let go. My second set of awesome graduate school words <laughs> is steadfast progression. So in addition to letting go of the hurt, letting go of the pain, working through the anger, working through the grief, working through the stress, working through the struggle. You have to let that go, but then you also have to steadily move 
forward. There are two distinct activities. Paul says he is eagerly straining forward to what lies ahead. In the Greek, the straining that Paul uses is very graphic. It pictures a runner straining with every nerve and muscle and all the energy that they have to reach and press towards the goal. He runs with all of his might and has his hands stretched out to grasp it. So you're forgetting the past, but you're not just hanging around right there. You are moving and pushing and stretching and straining to God and Christ and love and better days and better things and better outcomes. You are reaching and pushing hard to get to that prize, which is in Jesus Christ. There's focus, there's concentration, you have to have the right frame of mind. You have to use big concocted phrases like emotional eradication, steadfast progression. These are the ways that we spiritually exert. 2018 may have been fabulous. And 2018 might have been hard. But as Paul says, we all must press for the mark of the prize. I know in my heart of hearts that when we press towards the mark of the prize and we are focused in Christ, truly, our good days will be better than our worst days were ever bad. I know that. We are moving towards the love of God and radical love and radical hospitality for others. That is the perfection that Christ is calling us to. So we've got to let some things go, and we've got to press on so we can love like God loves and experience that same type of love by being open. So if pressing towards the mark and resolutions don't work, well, Paul, what are we supposed to do? Did you all have an alternative, those of you who did not do resolutions? Did you have an alternative? Did you have a way? Because I know, because innately, we want to change. We want to grow. I offer you something. Mike Ashcraft and Rachel Owens came up with my one word. And in your seats, you have these cards. So see if you, if you have a card. I offer you this. And this is a testimony because I have done this now for two years and it has blessed my life. When you're thinking of my one word, the goal is to think about the person you want to be in 2019. Who is this person? What do they look like? What do they act like? And I don't, and I don't mean physical uh, attributes. What is God calling this person to be and do? So you're going to determine who God is calling you to be. 
in 2019, I won't even say for the, your whole life, just 2019, who is God calling you to be? Then you identify, think about, and list those characteristics. Who is this person? Are they bold? Are they unapologetic? Are they just awesome? Are they caring? Are they kind? Are they present? Andy added an awesome video for me. We saw it with the kids. They had grit, persistence, awareness. Think about those words. And then you need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for direction. Truly, have the Holy Spirit confirm for you what that word is. So my word, before I go to the others, um, last year was presence. And I prayed about it and everything I did anchors, anchored on presence. So I had a decision to make about finances. I would think, okay, with this decision, what would have me be most present with my goals? If it were something with school, what would have me be most present? Some other people have used words like intentional. So in every decision of your life, in every aspect of your life, you focus on that word. So I had an example, and I'm so glad my daughter's not here this morning because she would be upset that I told the story. Or not told it, but the results. I had a class that ended at 5.30. It was a day like today. It was right before the break. And being as teenagers are, she called me, Mom, are you coming to my concert? Oh, what concert? Mom, I have a concert. When? Tonight. <laughs> what time? Seven? I was like, it's 5.30. How did you not... Tell me about this before. Mom, I, I'm sure I mentioned it, but are you coming? And in that moment, I have to tell you, I had immediate anxiety. It was the last day before my class before finals, which I had like 500 papers to do. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> and she called me, and as a mother, I want to be there. I don't want to miss a thing. She has an amazing voice. She's singing opera and she's going to governor's honors and she's, I want to be there. But I had finals and it was 5.30 and I was in Gwinnett and I was at Emory and I was anxious and I was stressed and I felt it just like that, just the pressure to make this decision to make everybody happy and still try to live my life. It all came rushing upon me and I stopped and I prayed, and the Lord reminded me of my word, presence. I was like, okay, Lord, this is tricky, though, <laughs> because presence could go either way. And I said, like, well, what part of being present is most important right now? And this was a hard decision. I told my daughter, I love you, but I will not be there tonight. I am praying for you. I know you will do well, because she had a concert, she has a concert like every week. <laughs> and I had to remind myself, missing this one is not going to be the end of the world. I have other things to do. It's late, it's traffic. I, I cannot get there. I had to make a choice to be present 
with me and what I had to do. And the moment I prayed, the Lord reminded me of my word, and I made my decision. And it was hard. It just dissipated. It went away. I was like, wow, thank you, Lord, truly for this one word concept. Because it helped me not be a complete stress ball. And once I did that, I had to rest in it and let it go. And she was fine. And she was like, Mama, I understand. So you pray about your word, and then you choose the word. And once you choose the word, you own it, and you let it anchor you. You let it anchor you for the whole year. So if your word is intentional in every hard decision, in every part, be reminded of what would be most intentional. Own it. Anchor it. I promise you it will work. I promise you it is a thousand times better than any resolution you can ever come up with. And you know why? Because the part of us being perfected in love, God doesn't want a bunch of to-dos from us. God wants to know if we're becoming, are we becoming certain people instead of just doing things that we think are better. Yes, God is interested in who we are becoming and not just our to-dos. So before I pray, I'm going to be quiet for a second. Give you just 20 seconds or so for you to center and think about the one word that God may be saying to you to help you press on towards the mark, to help you forget about the things of the past and to press forward to the future. So let's just center for a moment and then I'll begin to pray. Gracious God, you are such an amazing comforter. You are a beautiful friend, a loving parent, the best coach and cheerleader. You are a protector provider, counselor. We love you and we thank you for all the ways that you have kept us from this day to that. Your word says that before we were formed in our mother's womb, you knew us. 
that the hairs on our head are numbered and that all our days are written in your book before even one came to be. Help us to let go of the hurts and the aches and the issues of the past. Show us the areas that we need to get help and show us the places where we just need to let go. And then, Lord, strengthen us so that we can stretch and strain and push towards the beauty of your high calling. Lead us on to perfection, Lord. Show us how to love you and love others in a way that people will want to know how to be saved, that people will want to know what joy that we have, that people will want to know what is it about us and therefore want to get to know you. Allow us to be living witnesses. Allow us to be testimonies to your grace, to your love, and to your glory. Lord God, I ask that you bless each and every individual that is here. Give us the word that will anchor us and direct us. Let our issues go from being tailwinds to headwinds so that we can be a force in our community and world. And we will be careful to give you all the praise that you deserve. It is in the awesome name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs>